Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. Hey, church family, it is so good to be back with you, even if it's virtually right now. Um, Thank you so much for the prayers while my family was in quarantine with COVID. You blessed us so much, not only with prayers, but with meals and all kinds of other gifts and blessings. So we just want to thank you for that. So if there was a blessing to those few weeks in quarantine, it's that I had a lot of time to think. Um, and as I thought about, you know, the start of this new year, 2021, uh, the COVID crisis that we're in the midst of, and as I was reading my Bible every morning and spending time in prayer, um, I was inspired by something I found in the book of Deuteronomy. So this week, I want to take a break from the gospel of Mark for just one more week. We're going to come back to our good news series in Mark next week. But I want to bring to you this word from Deuteronomy. And we find these words, this is from Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 15, and then I'm going to jump forward to verse 19. And so if, you, if you're tuning in and you're new to this whole church thing, you just stumbled across us this morning. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament. It's the first part of the Bible. It's just a few books in. You'll find it there. You can find it in the table of contents, Deuteronomy. And if you go 30 chapters in, Deuteronomy 30, starting in 15, you'll find this. Look here. Today, I've set before you life and what's good versus death and what's wrong. I love how he says that. And then he repeats it in verse 19 in just a little bit different way. And this is what we're going to pay attention to this morning. I call heaven and earth as my witnesses against you right now. I have set life and death, blessing and curse before you. Now choose life so that you and your descendants will live. And this is how, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, and by clinging to Him. That's how you'll survive and live long on the fertile land the Lord swore to give you to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. We're living in unprecedented times. Well, at least that's what we keep being told. Have you noticed how often that word unprecedented is showing up in the news, on social media, just everywhere you look, you hear that word these days. I, I jotted down some headlines. Here's, here's the newspaper right here. I jotted down some headlines that I found recently with that in it. <clears throat> Millions of Christmas gifts arrive late at U.S. Post Office as U.S. Post Office strains under unprecedented volume of business. Various versions of this title, unprecedented election drama. Or this one, unprecedented wildfire season threatens California. Uh, Unprecedented and unequal racial inequalities in the COVID-19 pandemic. State unemployment systems crumble under unprecedented demand. In unprecedented times, uh, governors have unprecedented power. And then this one was my favorite. This was from a a press release from the fast food franchise Fat Burger. I've never eaten a Fat Burger. Doesn't sound like the place I want to eat. But this was their press release. In a year with unprecedented challenges, Fat Burger 
known for its delicious grilled to perfection burgers, is launching a limited time menu item, the Hang In There Burger. I mean, even, even our fast food franchises are getting involved in these unprecedented times. Uh, one of the CNN anchors summarized 2020 with one word, unprecedented, she said. Now, all this unprecedented talk Reminds me of uh, what Inigo Montoya tells Vecini in The Princess Bride. You remember this? He says, you keep using that word, and I don't think it means what you think it means. <clears throat> now, now, Christians have thought a lot about the difference between unprecedented and unique for a long time. You know, there's a lot about this year, 2020, that we just came out of, and the year that we're currently moving into, 2021. There's a lot about this current moment that is unique meaning there's, there's probably never been another situation exactly like this one. But that doesn't mean that this moment is unprecedented, meaning there's never been anything in the history of the world that's been similar or similar enough that we might draw some guidance from that situation. And this distinction is, like I just said, something that Christians think a lot about, you know, especially when it comes to reading our Bible. You know, we, we don't go to our Bible expecting that we're going to find a situation in the Bible that is exactly like the situation we're living in. You know, we don't say, for example, well, you know, if the Apostle Paul never got dumped by his girlfriend over text message, then he doesn't have anything to say to me in Philippians. Or we don't, you know, say, well, if Jesus never had car trouble on his way to the office on a Tuesday, then he doesn't have anything to do with what I most need him for right now. Or, you know, if Jesus didn't have rebellious teenagers, or if he didn't have a mother-in-law who wouldn't stay out of his business, or something, you know, like, we don't go to Scripture expecting to find situations that are exactly similar to ours. Every situation in our lives is unique. I mean, there are no two situations in your life that have been exactly the same. Nevertheless, any two situations in the history of the world that are exactly the same. That's not what we go to Scripture looking for. What we go to Scripture looking for is a precedent. We look for situations that are similar, that the essence of those situations is similar. And then we hope that by going to those, we find guidance for similar situations in our life. We find a precedent. Okay. Now, here's the thing about this current moment, as I've thought about it. We want to, as people of faith, to examine and consider the current moment that we're living in through a lens of faith. And to do that, what we have to do is boil this moment down to its essence. So let's think for a moment about this moment we're living in, which is indeed very unique. The vaccine has started to be rolled out. I've heard from several Highlanders who've already received the vaccine, and I'm just so excited about that. And it seems like in this moment where the vaccine is starting to be administered to more and more people, that like the finish line, the end of this pandemic is closer than it's ever been. I mean, you could, you could see the finish line in the distance. And so as this vaccine gets rolled out, hope is just rising and rising and rising. But at the same time, the COVID infection rate is higher than it's ever been. The death toll is higher than it's ever been. We've lost two brothers at Highland. We've had many who are very sick and ill who we've prayed for dearly. The death toll in America is over 300,000 right now, and rates are higher than ever. We're hearing talk about rationing care in medical facilities around the country. I mean, how's it come to this? 
And as you consider that, you've got hope with the vaccines on the one hand, you've got this rising number of cases on the other, You're, we're facing shutdowns of our economy, we've had to take another break from meeting on site here at Highland. You consider all those things, you have hope on one hand, and on the other hand, you have despair, and hope and despair are colliding with one another. That's a difficult moment to live in, isn't it? So I think about that, and, and I think, you know, as the world tells us this moment is unprecedented, that there is a convenience to, ex- to accepting what the world tells us. Okay, there's a convenience to believing that this is an unprecedented moment. Now, at first, when we enter a situation that feels unprecedented, we, we might be alarmed. We might be scared because we don't have guidance. We don't know what to do. But what we quickly do in a moment like that is we look for guidance that affirms the way we are already wired. Okay, That's the convenience of an unprecedented moment is that you default into the way you're already wired. And the guidance you look for is really just words or affirmation for the things that you already believe or already desire to do. So, for example, in this current situation, if you're generally a pessimist or a cynic, you're generally kind of critical. What's likely to happen is that the despair of the moment we're living in will overtake you. I'm reminded of a, uh, an author that I read often named Wendell Berry. And Wendell Berry often has a, has a pretty accurate description of the world that we live in, but it's often pretty cynical or pretty critical. And he's got this poem that begins with the line, when despair for the world grows in me. I think a lot of us can resonate with that feeling when despair for the world grows in me. And I think about the teachers and students who are facing another semester of online learning and just kind of overcome by the despair of that. I think about those who have struggled to keep their businesses surviving and they're facing again another shutdown or another kind of like break and business as usual and despair is overtaking them. I think about those who've lost somebody that they love, like those in this church, who might be overcome by despair in a moment like this. Well, if that's you, if that's the way that you're wired, what you're probably going to do is you're going to look for affirmation of the feelings you already feel, and your response to this current moment is just going to reflect the way that you're naturally wired, and not necessarily a faithful response. Okay, well, then you've got the optimist, on the other hand. And everybody likes an optimist. An optimist is the life of a party. Everybody likes an optimist. Now, I was trying to think of a, a visual for optimism. So I bring my boys up to the church a couple of weeks ago. And uh, there's not many perks to being a preacher's son. But one of the perks is that occasionally they get to run wild through an empty church building. Uh, I haven't let them swim in the baptistry yet, although I've considered it. But I do let them run aw- around wild up here from time to time. Again, there's not many perks, but that's one of them. And so I went to get something out of my office, and they're just running like banshees through our church building. And I find them in the chapel. The chapel's dark at this moment. And they're running through the chapel full speed. And as normal, they're running one after another. Foster's in front, Noble's behind him, and Deacon, my youngest, is just trailing behind. And he doesn't have a care in the world. He's just following his brothers. He is not paying attention to anything. He's just laughing his heart out. And unbeknownst to him, his older brother stops on a dime right in front of him, 
turns around, swings his arm as he turns, and just clotheslines Deacon in the darkness of that chapel. I saw it all happen. Before Deacon knows it, he's flying backwards. His back of his head hits the ground. His feet are over his head. <gasps> he breathes in that deep breath before letting out blood-curdling screams. And as I saw him, I thought, that's what optimism looks like, you know? <clears throat> You run into a dark room, not a care in the world, just as happy as can be. And it works out for you a lot of the time until it doesn't, you know, until you get sideswiped or clotheslined. And, and that's the thing about optimism is that we think optimism is a more faithful response than pessimism. And indeed, everybody likes an optimist more than a pessimist. But what optimism is often based on is actually ignorance. I'm going to choose not to fully consider the sadness, the sorrow, the challenges, the despair, the difficulties of this moment because I want to be happy. I'm just going to ignore that stuff. I'm going to be ignorant of that stuff because, well, I just want to be happy. And what happens is that you get sideswiped or clotheslined. And so even though optimism sounds better than pessimism, it is not a more faithful response. Okay, so what does the Bible tell us about a moment like this one, the one that we're living in, where we've got the rise of hope on one hand, the rise of despair on the other, and the collision of those two? How do I live in a moment like that? If I assume that this moment is unprecedented, then I am not going to know what to do. Or I'm going to trust my natural wiring, my natural instincts, pessimist, optimist, the, the news sources that reaffirm what I feel, I'm going to trust those things to guide me. And the problem is that naturally I'm a sinner and I can't trust myself. And so what I want to do is I want to go to Scripture and find a precedent. And so that's why I started with, that, with those words from Moses in Deuteronomy, where Moses says this. This is in Deuteronomy 30, 19. I have set life and death, blessing and curse before you. Now choose life. Let's think for a moment about the situation these words were spoken into. This guidance was given. This comes from Moses, who's the leader of God's people at this time, Israel. <clears throat> and they have been in the desert for 40 years. Before that, they were in Egyptian slavery for 400 years. Moses leads them out of that slavery. Due to decisions they make, they end up in the desert for a generation. As you think about this season in the desert, here are some things you should, you should consider about this moment. And you might think about how these, this parallels the moment that we're living in. So in the desert, everything is gray. You know, the right choice is never clear, which is why they end up making choices that cause them to be punished. And that feels so much like the moment we're living in. Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Do I go to this event? Do I see my grandkids? Do I not? Like every decision is gray. It's a really similar moment in Israel's life. Um, they also are threatened to worship, or they're, they're not threatened, they're tempted to worship gods both from Egypt and gods they know about in the promised land they're heading to. Because the god they're currently worshiping, the god of Israel, Seems like he's not doing for them what they want. And think about the moment that we're living in. How many of us are tempted, how many in the world are tempted to worship other things beside the God Most High? Why? Because we're living in a difficult moment. It seems like maybe the God Most High isn't providing what we need. So there's all these other sources, all these other things that we're tempted to worship. So again, it's a really similar moment. 
And then on top of it all, and this really parallels our current situation, in the desert, a whole generation of God's people have died off, have passed away. Uh, that was part of the um, experience of 40 years in the desert, is that a whole generation wasn't going to get to enter the promised land. I'm reminded again of this virus that has targeted, in many ways, those who are older. On top of that, Moses, their leader, is not going to go into the promised land with them. He's about to die. And so, um, you know, you've got despair just mounting. But of course, despair is mounting while they're about to enter the promised land. I mean, they're almost at the finish line. They are almost there. And so the hope has never been higher. You've got hope and despair and the two are colliding. And in that moment, he gives this guidance, which is guidance that is so relevant for us. He says, choose life. And then he explains how you would do that. He says, choose life by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and by clinging to him. Okay. So this is what I was thinking about while I had COVID, while we were entering 2021. I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be this year? Who's Highland going to be this year? What do they need to hear? That's why I started studying the scripture for a, a precedent. I think we have one here. And so as you're thinking about 2021, and you're thinking, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be this year? Maybe you're making New Year's resolutions. What if you chose this as your primary New Year's resolution in this unprecedented time? What if you said, this year I'm going to choose life? And I know that there are three ways you do that. You love the Lord, you obey the Lord, and you cling to the Lord. Okay. What if you made those your New Year's resolutions? Well, how do you do that? Let's, let's get practical for a second. Let's just be really practical. How do you love the Lord? I was talking to a, a friend the other day, and um, he's recently started dating a new girl, although the, re the relationship has been primarily on the phone. And he told me that they've talked for several nights in a row for three hours. And I thought to myself, what do you talk about? for three hours every night. But then I remembered, and maybe you remember too, when you were falling in love with the person you married or the person you're dating, how did it start? It probably started like that, right? So here's what we know about love. Love is the product of intimacy. And intimacy is the product of communication. The more you communicate, the more intimate you'll be, and the more you'll love one another. Sometimes couples will come to me or come to our marriage team here at Highland or marriage counselors that, I'll know, that I know, and they'll want to terminate and they'll want to end their relationship. And they'll say, the intimacy, it's just gone. And we'll say, well, do you talk to one another? And you say, no, we don't want to talk to each other because there's no intimacy there. We lost the intimacy, so there's no reason to communicate. And what we actually know is the opposite is true. It's because you stopped communicating that the intimacy is gone. You know, if you want to love the Lord more in 2021, what do you need to do? Talk to Him. It's not rocket science. It's really simple. What if you made prayer a normal part of your day? I'm going to talk to God more in 2021 than I did in 2020. What I have found is that the more time I spend in prayer, the more time I desire to spend in prayer. The more I desire prayer, the more I desire and love God. That's the first. Love the Lord your God. What if you did that by praying more in 2021? The second is to obey His voice or obey the Lord. 
Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd, and he says that his sheep know his voice, and they only respond to his voice. Many of you have probably seen the videos of a, of a, a flock of sheep out on a hillside, and Several people go up and they call that flock of sheep and the sheep don't respond. They just keep eating the grass. They don't care about those people. But then the farmer comes and with one word, the shepherd, he calls to his sheep and they come running to him. I love that visual. And that's what Jesus is talking about. You know, part of what it means to be a person of God is to obey the Lord's voice. How do I do that? Well, again, this isn't rocket science. I mean, this is where the word of God is so valuable. What if you spent more time this year in the Word of God than you did last year. You know, more time trying to familiarize yourself with the voice of God so that you would know it and recognize it in any situation you come to in your life. I just learned that our teenagers in HYG, the group of them took the 30 challenge, which is they committed to spend 30 minutes for the first 30 days of 2021 with the Lord, whether that's in prayer or reading scripture. And I think that is awesome. You know, I think that is going to position them to love the Lord more and to obey His voice better. Let's take a, you know, take a cue from our teens. How can we love the Lord better and obey Him better? Well, we should spend more time in the Word. And then lastly, cling to Him. We challenged you in 2020, and we're going to continue to challenge you along these lines in 2021. We challenge you to be church. Okay. What is the church? The church is not a building like the one I'm in right now. Church is the community of God, but more specifically, the church is the body of Christ. And the reason we challenge you to be church, to love, grow, and worship together is that by doing so, you are clinging to Jesus Christ. When I enact the things the church is supposed to do, when I do those things, I am clinging to Jesus. So what if one of the ways we choose life. One of the ways we cling to Him is we be the church in every place. Now, maybe you're not part of the church yet. Maybe you stumbled upon this today. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus yet in baptism. That is the first step to clinging to Him. What I hope you've heard this morning in this you know, moment that we keep being told is unprecedented, and you're probably feeling a bit scattered, a bit like you don't know which direction to head into. You actually have direction. You can find it here, and you can find it in Jesus Christ. I wish you would cling to Him by being baptized, by reaching out and taking hold of the Son of God. If you'd like to do that, I hope you'll comment below. and We'll follow up with you. Lastly, let me make this point as we close. The reason I think this advice is solid advice for the moment we're living in, okay, is not only because it parallels, it is so similar to this current moment that it provides a good precedent, but this is the bigger reason. The bigger reason why you can trust this advice is that it comes from a source who has never experienced an unprecedented moment. That is our God and Father. And that's what Moses goes on to say just a few verses later. He says this in Deuteronomy 31.8. He's explaining why this is good advice. And he says this, The Lord is the one who is marching before you. He's the one who will be with you. He won't let you down. He won't abandon you. So don't be afraid or scared. And I love that image. The Lord is the one who's marching before you. The Lord is the one who has already marched through the sorrows of this pandemic and the joy of its end. 
The Lord is the one who has marched through the difficulties of this election season and the resolution at its end. You know, the Lord is the one who has marched through the difficulties of our social moment and their resolution. He's the one who's marched through the difficulties of your financial situation in this current moment. And the one who's marched through the resolution at its end. He is the one who is ahead of us. And so no situation in this world is unprecedented to him. Okay, that's why we're told to cling to Him. That's why we're told to obey Him, to love Him, because there's nothing new under the sun to Him. He knows what to do. He's not going to be surprised. He's not going to be sideswiped. He's not going to be clotheslined. This is not unprecedented to Him. And so we're going to love Him. We're going to obey Him. And we're going to cling to Him. 